Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. So just turn to Genesis, the seventh chapter, and there are two main people that we'll be talking about this morning. One of them is a man by the name of Noah, and the other is a man by the name of Lot. Go to Genesis, the sixth chapter, verse number five through ten, and then I invite you to Genesis, the seventh chapter, verses five and seven. After that, you'll be reading Genesis 19 verses 12 through 24. In Genesis, the sixth chapter, verse number five, the Bible says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God, everybody. And Noah begot three sons, Sham, Ham, and Jake. Now go to Genesis 7th chapter, verses, oh, one more verse in the 6th chapter, verse 22. It says, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, 7th chapter, verses 5 through 7. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord had commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the waters were upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now, there is a comparison. I want you to look at another man by the name of Lot in Genesis 19, chapter verse 12. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou here any besides the son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. Go to verse number 22. Verse number 22. Hasten thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zorah. The sun was risen up, and the earth when Lot entered unto Zorah. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Eternal God, we are thankful and grateful to you, Lord, for an opportunity, Lord, in this day to come again and hear a word from you. Now, Lord, let me be found decreasing as we watch you increase. And this day, Lord Jesus, is a day that we 
note as Father's Day. I pray, God, that every man would be father and every father would, Lord, be found embracing this word because it's a word, Lord, of encouragement, a word of challenge. And again, Lord, we just praise you and thank you. And everyone say in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, I just want to read to you Genesis 5 and 7. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord had commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters were upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. In the remaining time that I have, I want to minister to you from this thought, the influence of a father. First of all, let me say to every father in the house, I want to take the time to render to you honor today on Father's Day. I wish every father in here a happy Father's Day. Salute you. I want you to know that we are literally a dying breed, and I'll explain to you that in the message. I want to go back for a moment, and there's a key word, there's a key word in this message that I want you to get. It's the influence of a father. That word influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or behavior of someone or something, or the affecting it itself. You see, to to be a father is something. It, It really is something that we should look at. God's definition of what a good father is, is one who teaches his children how God acts and reacts by the way he lives his life before his children. Fathers, I want you to know that your children are watching you. They're watching what you do and how you do what you do. And depending on how you interact with them and where you take them, you've got to be mindful of what you say and what you do. Because we have have a generation that is very intelligent. Uh, I, I no offense to those that are older, but we perhaps were raised this way. Don't do as I do, do as I say do. Those days are long gone. These children are watching you. So if you tell them, don't you smoke, but you blowing smoke rings, you better believe they're going to get an e-cigarette because that's the latest thing. And they're going to start blowing rings. If you tell them don't drink and you opening up a 40 inch, they're going to do it too. I told y'all. I'm telling on myself, they don't, it's this commercial ain't even out anymore. But when I was a little boy, there was a commercial. It was a little boy and his father showing you the influence of a father. Here, this is man and his son. They're walking. And wherever the father was doing, the little boy was doing. So they was walking by a little a lake. And the father picked up a stone and he threw it and skipped it across the water. Many of y'all don't even know about that. But but the rock skipped across the water. So the little boy picked up the rock and he threw it and it skipped across the water. They, they walk a little bit more and then I guess the father is tired and there's this big oak tree. So the father sits down, slides down this tree and on his side, he's sitting there and his son is on the opposite side. His son does just what his father does. Sit on slides down the tree. So the father picks up, takes a pack of cigarettes out and lights one up and sits the pack down. And you see the sun reaching for the cigarette. What I'm saying is, fathers, you have influence. You have an influence that you may not even be aware of. 
So you've got to watch what you do, where you do it, and how you do it. You've got to watch what you say and how you say it. Because fathers have influence. As we look at this, fathers have influences. And God is calling fathers everywhere to father your sons and your daughters. It's our duty and our responsibility. I don't blame the athletes. Don't blame the actors. Don't blame the rappers. If you're in the house, you'll be their role model. It won't, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Dad. But if you're an absentee father, they're going to gravitate to what they see. Oh, y'all not working with me. So father your own, your daughters, your sons. It's, a, it's important. It's your responsibility. It's our duty as fathers to teach our children right from wrong. And the decisions we make in their presence, they watch that. They, they, their minds are like little computers. And they see, well, this is how my dad responded to this. They're processing these things. They're watching us. One day we're going to be brought up on that judgment day for how we fathered our children. And we'll be brought up on judgment and those decisions will be molded. It would have shaped our children as they were being raised up. I love what Joshua said. And, and Joshua, if you get a chance, you can go, go to that account. In Joshua 6, chapters, verse 17 and 18. But basically, Joshua is faced with some decisions. Joshua is in a position where he needs to make a decision, and his children are watching him. Joshua puts it like this. After all these different options you've given me, all of these different options you've set before me, and whom you want to know who I serve, Joshua just flat in front of everybody and his children. He says, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Parents, you got to start being parents again. Fathers, you got to start being fathers. You can't tell your child, oh, listen, Dad, I'm going to be coming in tonight. Oh, yeah, okay, sir. What time you come? Uh, it'd be like after one. That devil is a liar. You ain't coming up in here. When you let them dictate to you when their curfew is, oh, I got to go back to old school. See, you see, when, when I was young and had a head full of hair, my, my mother used to say, now, son, I'm going to tell you, you know when it's time to come in. See, this right here is called a street light don't let that light catch you because the moment that light come on you better be like in baseball sliding home Shh. hey mom see joshua he understood the dynamics of the time he was living in there were a lot of options that he could have chosen but those options would have corrupted his children those options would have made his children look at god differently so he stands and says listen as for me See, see I, I told you it's time out. You can't tell them, don't do as I do, do as I say do. No, Joshua put it right. He said, as for me, it's starting with me and my household. Ain't no options here. Oh, you don't want to go to church today? <clears throat> Too bad. You're going. We live in a time and an era. Let them keep making options, taking different options. Well, that's okay. You, you don't have to come. You don't feel like this. Yeah, right. Get up. Put your clothes on. And for all of those that, well, I don't have none. If you look on your bed, I done pressed everything. You see that dress? That's the one you wear. You see them shoes? That's what you wear. Now, let me, let me say this. Now, when they get grown, then they're on their own. They can dress. Hey, out of the house now. They can do whatever they, but guess what? It comes with consequences. It comes with consequences. I don't know. I didn't see them do it. Man, I can't wait. When I get out of that, boy, it, it seemed like, like you had them on lockdown. They was in prison. 
as soon as they get out, they say, I'm, I'm going to do everything I want to do. But I wish they would be honest. Like it was a young lady in Germany. I'll never forget my wife. If she remember. She came in the service. She was a soldier. And at that time, we had what we call testimony service. What we do these days, I don't know if it's testimony because they'll be testing a lie. You know, so instead of testifying. But, but this young lady, she stood up and with tears in her eyes, she said, you know what? My mother raised me right. My mother raised me. And when I got of age, I rebelled. I said, I'm going to do everything that I wanted to do. But that night in full to Germany, she was broken down. God had broken her down to the place where she really cried out, Lord, forgive for the way that I've conducted my life after I knew what was put in me. See, the truth is, when we have young people and we have people, period, that when they mess up, they want to sashay in here like ain't nothing wrong. And they just still pray and act oh, like everything is good. It's not good. And you know it's not good. You know you're hungry. And you're, you know you're thirsty. You know you're not where you used to be. And you need to say, God, forgive me. And when you do it, somebody else will do it. Because so, they were looking at you. They would say, well, they did it. But I'm telling you, this is the end result. My life is tore up from the floor. I know you think I look good, but if you can only see the inside. See, fathers have influence, but once they get grown, they're on their own. Joshua, he set the record straight. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So my brothers, fathers in particular, let's take the challenge to be the best fathers that we can be. And that starts by seeking a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father our heavenly father there's some things i want to say about our heavenly father how many of you know that our father our heavenly father he's a good good father hallelujah our father he's a good good father it's him who will encourage you in the lonely times of your life it's that good good father that will speak to you in your darkest days he'll let you know i'm always with you even when mother and father forsake you our good good father says i'll take you up oh come on so when my when my earthly father went on, my earthly mother went on, I can look back in retrospect and honestly say he did just what he said. He took me up and taught me how to be a father. He's perfect in all of his ways. Somebody say he's talking about his heavenly father now. If you take the challenge and you begin to get a deeper relationship with your heavenly father, you, you'll have this admiration. You'll have this desire to want to be like him because he's our heavenly father. We would want to be more like him. Him, not no might. We want to be like our heavenly father in the way that we love our wives and children, according to Ephesians 5 and 25. The Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I want to introduce to you a term. It's called the father factor, simply meaning what happens when a dad is not a part of the child's life or is nowhere to be found. You missing an action. You're an absentee dad. How will your legacy as a father impact your child's life? It's really no telling. I'm going to give you and throw out a bunch of statistics, but sometimes there are those that beat the odds. 
notes and you're looking at one of them, but, but I'll give you my secret at the end. So we want to we look at now this factor called the father factor. There's a father factor in our nation. It shows us the worst social problems, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. 24 million children in America, in other words, one out of three live in a biological absentee home, meaning their father is extracted or he's nowhere to be found. Nine out of 10 American parents agree this is a crisis. This father factor is a crisis. Consequently, there is this father factor in nearly all of the social issues facing America today. But the hope lies in that children with with involved fathers, somebody say they're there for them. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. There are situations that come up in life where you might not be with your biological children. It's called divorce, and and some other is called baby mama drama. But whatever you need to do to connect with your child, you need to do it. Because at the end of the day, fathers have, talk back to me now, fathers have influence. So you need to get up with them and you need to be there for them. But again, but the hope lies in the fact that you're going to have this involvement with your children because when you do, they'll do better. It's statistics that says that. Here we go. Father factor when it comes to poverty. Children and father absent homes, in other words, absentee dads, are almost four times more likely to be poor. Factor. Father factor in education. Father involvement in school is associated with a higher likelihood of a student getting mostly A's when there's a father in the house. This was true of fathers in biological parental homes, stepfathers, and for fathers heading single parent homes. Father factor when it comes to drugs and abuse. Surveys that have been conducted say that there is a significantly more drug use among children who do not live with their father. Father factor in maternal and child health. Infant mortality rates are 1.0 times higher for infants of unmarried mothers than for married mothers. Father factor in incarceration. Statistics show that a large number of youths in father absent home households still had significantly higher odds of incarceration than those in a mother and father situation. Now I can honestly say that that's a fact. You say, well preacher, how do you know? Because we have prison ministry and we go in and a lot of those guys that are in there, they did not have a father in the home. Youth who never had a father in the household experience the highest odds. In fact, 85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. Father factor in child abuse. A study using data from the Fragile Families and Child Well-Being study revealed that in many cases, the absence of a biological father contributes to increased risk of child maltreated children. Let let, let me ask you a question. If you knew that your child was at risk of you not being there, would you make a more conscious effort to be there for them? This is a rhetorical question, meaning answer needed. Just answer within yourself. If you knew that these stats and statistics that I'm giving you, if you were absent from your child, would put them at risk, would you be now, sir, willing to say, you know what? I'll swallow my pride. 
I'll do whatever it takes to have the kind of relationship that'll make a difference that will influence my child. Father factor in crime. A study of 109 juvenile offenders indicated that family structure significantly predicts delinquency. In Proverbs 13 and 22, the Bible says, a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children. What better inheritance is there to leave unto our children than a good walk in relationship with God? And there is no better way to promote that than being the example. You see, my brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, Christian fathers have a mandate to train up their children in the way that they should go. They have this mandate to train up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And what dad says and does is the way he teaches it. How are you teaching them? Fathers, if you that kind of physical abuser, and hear me, hear me clearly, because I'm definitely not an advocate of putting your hands on a woman. But a lot of children learn it early. If you allow your child to see you strike your wife, what comes in their mind is this is the way you treat a woman. And they become a striker. How did they arrive to that point? Because you, sir, have influence in their life. You influence them to take their hand and smack a woman to get her to conform to what you want. I'm saying to you, you've got to model the behavior that you want to see in your children. As we open up with the life, and I want want to go back to the scriptures and I'm done. I want to go back to the accounts. I told you I would use two men. One of them is Noah. And as we look at Noah, as we open up that account, it shows their influences. There's going to be an influence of positive things with Noah. And then when we look at Lot, we're going to see there's some negative things that Lot brought into the picture. Noah and Lot, one with positive influence, the other with negative influence. And and we can assume as we look at Noah's situation, the Bible said that Noah was given a mandate by God that it was going to rain. Now you have to understand prior to God saying to Noah, it's going to rain. It had never rained on the planet earth. The water that nourished the plants were under the earth and it was in a form of a mist. But God one day told Noah, I'm tired. I'm sick of man. I repent that I've made them and I'm about to destroy everything. He said, but I want you to make an ark out of gopher wood. And he began to give him detailed instructions how this ark was to be formed. But notice God is a merciful God. He gave Noah 120 years in building this thing. You know what that tells me? He gave them 120 years to say, you know what? I'm messed up. I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not living for God. I need to get my act together. I need to come in and just bow before him and make things right. 120 years. So Noah's out there. And and sir, ma'am, I truly believe that that he impacted and he influenced his family enough that they were out there working with him through all of the ridicule. Can you imagine Noah's building this humongous ark? And you know how people can be. They have Facebook, but if they have Facebook, they'd have a picture of him right there. Crazy man building a boat and ain't no water in sight. So he's, he's building this ark And in his family, it shows you the influence of a father because they're right there with him. They're building on the ark right with him. Even though they hear the ridicule, they hear that he's being ostracized. But he continues to build. But as you look at it and you begin to realize at the end of the day, God finally says, you know what? It's enough. 
bring everybody aboard. Eight people out of a whole world were saved. Why? Because of the fathers. That's right. He saved his whole family because he was able to be there for them. He was able to teach them. And so the Bible says that they all enter in and now the door is shut. And how many of you know that what God shut, no man can open and what God opens, no man. And so now the day of reckoning comes. It's starting to rain. It was unheard of. They they heard him say, I better get ready. You better get right. It's going to rain. No, what you talking about? What you been drinking? No, it's going to rain. So that day, when 120 years lapsed, he gave them a space to repent, and they didn't do it. He said, load everybody up. He told them the animals two by two and all. You know the account. So they all board, and then the door is shut. Now, all of a sudden, the first raindrop comes. Probably just, you know, a little bloop. Never seen that. And all of a sudden, bloop, bloop, bloop. And guess what? The bottom falls out. Can you imagine everybody and their brother running to the ark door? (laughs) Hey, no. Man, we was just joking. Open up the door, man. Come on, we got it. No, no, no. Seriously, Noah, I'm your neighbor. You know, no, I got my child right here. Please, man, open the door. Every living being, I dare you sit here in judgment. I dare you say, how could God? No, God didn't do anything but what he said he would do. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of men that he should repent of what he said he was going to do. So now it rains. But because of the influence of a father, the family is saved. The other end of the spectrum is Lot. Many of you know that Lot was the nephew of Abraham. He had an option. He looked, he saw land, and Abraham told him, listen, you choose whatever you want. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. Wherever, I, I, Whatever you is your choice. He saw Zora, and it looked good. Plush, man, the meadows flowing, little streams. Man, that's where we going. Guess what? His family knew that that wasn't right, but because he was the father, he was the head. Oh, oh, let me tell you the responsibility, just in case y'all didn't know what comes with being a father in God's sight. You're the priest of your home. You lead your family into a place of worship. You're the protector. You protect them from the wiles of the enemy. You're the provider. That's right. You're the one bring home the bacon and she cook it. So now here we are. He looks and he says, guess what, y'all? We going because the grass is definitely greener on that side. They all go. They enter to a town called Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And in that town, they practiced uh, what used to be a criminal offense. Now it's whatever floats your boat. But sodomy used to be a crime in the United States. And that's what they practice in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's sodomy. Men working things with men that's unnatural. So one day, the Lord was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He came down in the form of a man, two other men, and he said, shall I hide this thing from my friend Abraham? He told him to Go ahead and do some reconnaissance. Go in and look at Sodom and tell me, is it really like you? Like I think it is. So they left him. So he's just talking to Abraham. He says, Abraham, listen, about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham said, well, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you do, if it be 10 souls there that's living right, you destroy it? He said, nah, not for 10. And you, you, you know the story. The number keeps dwindling and dwindling. It's, it started fifth and broke down to 10. And he said, will you destroy it for 10? Now, don't, don't forget now, he, Abraham was like, you know, testing the waters now. 50, 45, and it worked all the way down to 10. He said, now, I won't even do it for 10. Lot was the father. Abraham probably said, you know what? That's my nephew, and he'd been around me. He'd been seeing the blessings of God in my life. We probably had some Bible studies. And I done poured some stuff into him. Surely, he is 10 that, that he's here. So now back to Sodom. Those two that did the reconnaissance, they come into Sodom. Lot is at the gate. That's where they did the business, the city and the gate. And he sees them when it's coming. Night is starting to fall.
call, and he know what, what time it is then. It's in Sodom, and when night falls, if you're out there, you are the booty call. You're the one. Listen, your children know more than you think, and I'm just giving them real talk right about now to let them know that biblically God hates fornication, whether it would be a man and a woman, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. I have to address these issues because that's the time we're living in. That's the culture that we're living in. The saying is all right. It's not all right. God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and surely it was an Adam and Steve. So they're there now, and they are now going to be the guests of Lot because he sees the sun is going down, and he knows what time it is. Hey, listen, come on to the house. Come to the house. I'll fix you something. So while he's in there fixing for them, all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. He closes the door. Excuse me. Well, couldn't help but see fresh meat. Two new people come out. And this is the word they said. Let us know them. Let's not be nice. They wasn't talking about, hey, my name is Jer. What's your name? How you doing, buddy? No, no, no. It, no, that's not what they was talking about. They, they was talking about, I want to get with them. Lot said, wait a minute. Listen, these are guests in my Please don't do this. Please. He said, I tell you what. I have two daughters that are virgins, and they've never known a man. I want y'all to start counting now. He said, I got two daughters that are virgins and never known a man. See, virginity was still in back then. And they said to him, nah, we don't want them. Bring those other two out. He said, please, sir. By the time he's pleading with them, somebody snatches him back in the door and shuts the door is the angels that came to survey and do the reconnaissance to make sure what they heard is what it was. And guess what? You would think now that they know that they're off limits, Lot is not down with what they're trying to do. Now they're busting down the door. The Bible said they, it was all kind of men out. And, and let me tell you about homosexuality. It has no age limit. Oh, you think not? Go to some middle schools. Go to some elementary schools. Because now we have curriculums that say, oh, how little Johnny feels? It's okay. He's experimenting. He's, let, let me let me simply say this. Parents, you have a voice. The curriculums usually start in California. And I'm not, that's, but that's where it starts at. And if it passes in California, it comes all the way throughout the United States. But when it comes to your child, you have a voice that you can go to the school and say, listen, I'd rather my son and my daughter not participate in this curriculum. Because they have books now where there's two mothers, two fathers, and they're explaining it to your child as though it's normal. This is the new normal. Now, listen, if you get this podcast, I want to set the record straight. I love gays. I love homosexuals. I love transvestites. But what I don't love is their lifestyle. Because how can we be Christ-like and hate? You love them, but you can hate their ways. Are they good people? Some of the best people I know. Some of the most politest people I know. But it does not change the fact that that's not what God created them to be. Please, sir, ma'am, your children have sex education. So what I'm about to say is no new revelation. If you're child you're here and you're confused and you don't know what gender you are not here but when you get home look between your legs what's ever between your legs that's what you are oh i I, i've got to come like this because i don't want at the end of the day blood to be on my hands and somebody say well i didn't know that you won't leave here today and say you didn't know it if that's what you choose you choose that please sir ma'am you're not born that way that is a lie and it's from the pits of hell it is a learned behavior lot puts his family in a predicament because he's the father and he has the influence now his family follows him what looks like greener pasture he gets there finds out this city is off the chain 
when it comes to just living immoral. Now he's faced with something. What do I do? Angels snatch him back in and says, listen, we're about to leave here. Everybody that's your family, you better get them together and we're leaving. He said, whatever you do, don't look back. They're still trying to get in. So what the angels do? The Bible said they smite them with blindness. You would think that would end that quest, that burning desire. They still groping in the dark, trying to find where the dog, where can I get to him? I'm trying to make this as graphic as I can. See, that, that's what sin does to you. Sin gets you out there, keeps you out there longer than you wanted to be, and then make you feel that there's no hope for you. He says, listen, I've got sons. They got a son-in-law, some daughter-in-laws. They're out there. He said, go to them, get them, tell them to come on. They're sleeping. This is what the Bible says. They're sleeping, and while they're sleeping, he says, come on, we got to get up. What's wrong? God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said he, they look up at him as though one that mocketh. In other words, now they take him as a joke. Y'all have allowed these sitcoms. You've allowed these things to creep in your house. And now as a father, they've just took away all of your influence and all of your authority. And they think you're a joke. They literally were mocking him as he was saying, no, this is real. It's about to be destroyed. The Bible said they kept on. Now, guess what? He said, Lord, if it be 10 righteous, will you destroy it? God said, no. Isn't that a shame? He was lacking two people. It's a shame when the influence that we have as a father does not impact our children enough to want to cause them to live for God. It's a shame that when we know that there's a hell to shine and a heaven to gain, that we're not able to impact at least two people that don't even know Christ. See, my brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, at the end of the day, you won't be going to heaven by yourself. You need to have somebody that you can say, Lord, this person or that person, I help win to know you. I won them to Christ. Two people, the influence of a father. In my closing, Lot negative, Noah positive, integrity, consistency. That's what our children need to see in us. But when we look at Lot's life, his whole family followed him, even though that they know he was going the wrong way, but kept silent, just trusting in what dad was doing. In my closing question, what will be our children's memory of us as a father? The influence of a father. you father i gotta give you thanks because lord everything that you have done i didn't look at it now i thank you lord for the release of every chain everywhere i go god i gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry we have been smothered by the grace of god and it has brought us joy therefore lord we was able to make a joyful noise in this city we have learned to forgive and with that in mind god i just can't stop praising you in the name of jesus we give you praise Amen.